and welcome back to Football Funders, episode whatever we are on, because I haven't got a clue. It's been two weeks since we've last recorded, maybe three, a uh, new job for me and um, Pete has gone missing. So, <laughs> Ryan, hello, oh, how are we? I'm good. Congratulations, Mr. CAFC man. You're all official now. You've got papers and everything. Uh, Not the contract yeah, you wanted, but to be fair. No. It's close enough. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 know, uniform, I know Charlton have got some dodgy players, but I don't think you're quite that level. I'm not sure. Have you seen us? You haven't. You I haven't have. Watching you might do a might do a job in goal, but that'd be about it. I think we're consistently worse now than we were when you saw us. Let's put it that way. I, I don't know how it could get much worse, but apparently it has. Oh, it has. So this week we're going to talk about the World Cup, aren't we? The draw was made on Friday. We're going to discuss. Uh, UEFA's new financial fair play rules that have been changed, not financial fair play anymore, it's financial sustainability. And we'll also touch on the impending relegation of Everton Football Club. We're uh, also, of course, sponsored by Let Us Talk Mental Health, the football team raising money for Mind Charity. You can tell we've not done this in a while. <laughs> Keep this in, this is brilliant. Uh, we haven't had a game in a while. The draw has been made for a future game we're just waiting to confirm if you're in the brighton area i believe it is prepare we have a game coming your way soon ryan you want to touch on our other sponsors the proper blokes club yeah walking and talking for men's mental health bunch of guys meeting together to talk about their feelings and break that stigma around men not talking so if you don't want to talk to your your significant other or you you don't like going to the doctors there's a lot of more mature men shall we say don't like to go uh go to www theproperblokesclub.co.uk and see if there's a walk near you or if not, get in touch with them and you might be able to help start one in your area. Yes, and if you don't follow them on Twitter, there are there has been so many walks. Every time I look on their Twitter, they have another walk going in another town. Um, and the numbers on the ones near us, Woolwich and Greenwich, they look like they're going up all the time. There was one in Sutton, I think, announced today, which is going to be really cool to see how many they get. Um, please do head over to their Twitter. It's at Blokes Club. Find them on Twitter and join your local walk. Finchley has also been added. So if you're in either of those areas, I don't even know where Finchley is. But if you're in the area, go for a walk. Right, we'll start with our first bit of the show. The World Cup draw was made on Friday. And of course, Ryan, England have been represented in Group B alongside Iran, USA and Scotland, Wales or Ukraine. I did make a joke about the uh, world seeing that and the political landscape blowing up when they saw England, Iran and USA come out at the same time. Amazing. And then you're going to put potentially Ukraine in there as well. It's just or a Scotland. politician's <laughs> all nightmare. There, there's no other way around it. But we got to remember, it is sport. There has been an argument that the Ukraine should automatically get a buy because of what's going on. I'm going to be a bit harsh here. I, I, I understand that argument, but... As much as the horrible things that are still sadly going on, um, sports got to be done the right way. So Ukraine, I think, would all their players aside, if they ever come back from war, bless them, because from what I've heard, the vast majority of them have basically traded their football boots for guns and are currently defending various parts of Ukraine. Uh, hopefully they'll be available to earn their place, because I'm sure they would want to earn their place rather than just be handed it. And I'm pretty sure, to be fair, looking at their qualification line, 
chances of Ukraine winning that line is probably quite high anyway. They're, I think they're better than Scotland. Ukraine-Wales could be a good game. I could see Ukraine nicking it. I wouldn't be surprised if it is Ukraine that joins England, Iran and USA in Group B. Well, one thing you can always be sure of is that Gareth Bale will turn up for, for Wales. So as long as he doesn't have to fake an injury for Real Madrid so he can go and play for his country. Then, yeah, he doesn't uh, want to get injured playing golf, there. does he? That's no, definitely not. It's, it's Wales, golf, Madrid. That's that's what the banner read, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, England actually open. Well, don't open. They're the second game of the whole tournament. I'm not sure if you were aware of this. The opening day of the tournament starts not with the hosts, which... I don't think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Qatar do play in day one, but they play the last game. Um, Senegal, so we'll get on to Qatar's group. Qatar, uh, group A is Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal and Holland. And Senegal and Holland will host, will, sorry, will open the tournament night one or day one. So one o'clock kickoff uh, PM in Britain. Um, and Qatar is the last game at seven. They face Ecuador and obviously England and Iran and USA and question mark will be in between. So uh, weird, weird format. I'm used to the host being the nations, but that, as a group should should be Netherlands group to walk through, shouldn't it really? Well, let's, let's be honest. Qatar only there because they're hosting. They're going to be the whipping boys of that group, surely. Because well, sorry, they did who win won? the Asian Cup. Yeah, but that's the Asian Cup. Who are they well, playing they South, in the Korea, Asian Cup? South Korea, Japan, Australia. Yeah. Probably the best lot that are there, aren't they? The Aussies are busy surfing. The, the, Ecuador, the... Ecuador and Senegal. I Senegal mean, Ecuador have done side. very well. Yeah, Senegal, Senegal are, but they showed at the Africans' Cup of Nations they're not consistent against African sides, which would worry me against yeah, in Qu- Holland. If Qatar get even remotely a point, then I'll be shocked. And uh, Ecuador, who have had a really good campaign qualifying, I don't think they lost to Argentina or Brazil in qualification. So they've done really well. I believe they finished third in their uh, qualifying group. So that's really good. Although they still have Ena Valencia to score pointless amounts of goals. Do you remember Ena Valencia? Yes, but he's not the Valencia I remember. So off you try. No, not Antonio, the other one. And they also have um, a former Cholton youngster in their squad who currently plays for Brighton. So that's nice. I mean, give me a little reason to support Ecuador for no reason, right? On to I, Group I, C. I was going to say, I'll put my money on Holland and Senegal to go through from that group. Group C, I find this group quite interesting if you take so out Saudi Arabia. That was Group A. I took England first, yeah. Well, we did, it was England, so I did, we did England group first. Well, then in that case, to be decided, but I'm, I'm putting money on probably the USA England and England America. Yeah. to go through. Right, group, group C, this is one I have a feeling the big boys might not go through. So it's Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Mm. I have a feeling that Mexico and Poland could go through. You're having a lot of feelings today. Careful. We're on camera. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Argentina could go through, I think. They should go through with the ridiculous amount of talent that they've got. Don't understand why they've never won a World Cup over the years when you've got Aguero, Messi, and was it was it Levesque no one, the and, the pitch. and God knows who else. Adoro Martinez. Yeah, exactly. Where do you want to fit them all in? You're going to play a, a two, three, four. Yeah, well, that's what they were doing, and it weren't working. No, definitely not. Um, Mexico have always been a really good side, to be fair. Um, pretty solid. And Poland are pretty consistent. They are, and they've got one of the best strikers in the world. 
So and the last game of the group is Poland Argentina. There's a very big chance that Poland Argentina de- decides who goes through alongside Mexico. Saudi Arabia, I don't think they're going to be whooping boys a problem. They're in there to get whipped by because sadly, uh, like Qatar have the uh, they might get something out of Nigel or Ecuador. It might be close. Saudi Arabia in that group. There's not going to be a game where it should be close. They should be whipped by Poland. They should be whipped by Mexico. And they definitely should be whipped by Argentina. Yeah, it should be a, a, a rugby score for Argentina. If so I, I'm going to go out on the limb and I'm going to say Mexico and Poland probably go through. I don't... Ooh, Argentina. I'm going to go Mexico-Argentina. Right, Group D. France, Denmark, Tunisia and either Peru or Australia. So the two European countries then. <laughs> yes, and while we're going to talk about def- definitely, uh, you can see Denmark going through. And can I just say how wonderful it is to see Christian Eriksen back and That's not cool. only being back, but he's playing out of his skin as well. Yeah, he scored Amazing, twice man. for Denmark in the Nationals and then came back and scored for Brentford. So it, it's really nice. I, I must admit... I've said on this podcast before that I was really worried and I had my doubts and he should just hang up his boots and, and go home. But he seems to be okay and he seems to have come back in probably better form than when he left the Premier League last. Yeah, so... I, think, I think he's he's had that. I listened to a podcast, well, like a clip with him, half hour interview he did, where he basically said, I've got nothing left to play for. Before I was playing, I'd have got a bit of money. Now it's like I'm playing for, to have fun and enjoy myself, and you can see it. He's, he looks like Christian Eriksen of old, and there's actually a rumour this morning, and if you've seen it, that Tottenham have said that they're keen to try and bring him back in the summer. My understanding is, is his deal only runs to the end of the season with Brentford. Mm, at Brentford, um, yeah. So there, there is potential for him to move on. I, I think personally, uh, if I was him, I think I'd stay at Brentford because I think. He owes them something because they seem to be the only club willing to have taken a punt on him. Unless I'm wrong, then no, I'm sure there was a lot, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of clubs saying he's a fantastic talent and a, and a wonderful fella. But we're not going to take the risk of him dying on our football pitch, mm. you know. And also, Brentford um, are going to be in the Premier League, aren't they? I, doubt, I don't think they're in any relegation. But I know mathematically there's still a chance, but. It's what happened is it's also worse, what's worse known as the uh, the Phoenix effect, you know, where everyone after they suffer a traumatic event like that, they're automatically happy to just be alive and just doing things for the sheer love of doing things. And it's it's definitely rung true with Christian Eriksen again. And it, I'm just glad to see him back because one of the worst things that could have happened is he could have got back on that pitch and God forbid the it worst could have happened again. and it could have happened all over again and the defibrillator that's now built into him would need to kick in. Or we mm. could could have tried coming back and it just really not worked out and he would have just been like, you know what, my body can't do this after suffering mm. such a traumatic event. So it's wonderful to see him back. Um, so I think there will be an extra incentive to do well for Denmark because it's like we tried to do it without for you last time. And, and you're back and you're healthy, so let's do it with you this time kind of thing. And they did get close. What did they get to in the end? The semi-finals? Yeah, we beat them in the semi-finals. we beat them, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think it's France and Denmark that go for, as I said, it's Peru or Australia and Tunisia in that group. It should be a Europe all-round success with France topping it, really. I yeah, don't well, think it, I know any Tunisia. It should be, but I mean, we saw Italy win the Euros and now they're not 
at the World Cup. So <laughs> you never can tell. I mean, it was the same as, is it, I think it was actually France. It was, they won the World Cup in 98, and I think it was the Euros in 2000. And then they went to the following World Cup, and everyone was expecting them to do fantastically, and they shit it in the group stage and got knocked out with, I think, about one point or something stupid like that. I know they got knocked out. Let me have a look. I know they got knocked out in... Oh, yeah, no, you're right. One point there. Denmark, Senegal, Europe. Yeah, they absolutely shat the bed after winning it the tournament score. before. They didn't score a single goal. No, exactly. Um, so you never can be too sure. Sometimes it, we saw the same with Spain. They had a period of dominance and then shut it again. So as good as France look like right now, and you Germany probably would too. put money on them, there's always that one team that craps it. So... You never know. But I've you already put money on that being Argentina. <laughs> I've already chucked Argentina on the team. They're going to crap it. Right, on to Group E. This is a group that I'm looking forward to see who wins it. I think the qualification should be guaranteed. However, Germany won't like the sight of another Asian team after what South Korea did them last time. Spain, Germany, Japan and New Zealand or Costa Rica. It's another European double for me. It, it, looks, it looks routine. However, Costa Rica have a history of Pissing off European sides. Do you remember we were had the group that was Uruguay, Costa Rica, England, and Italy? I think in twenty ten. Yeah, wasn't that the, was that when they, Wayne Rooney we didn't was get out swearing at the cameras because the fans yes. were booing them? You no, know, that was the World Cup before. This was the was World it? Cup after that. That was South Africa. Yeah, we drew nil nil with South Africa and go Algeria or someone. So, yeah, so Costa Rica obviously popped that group somehow. Um, and just have a tendency to annoy European sides. Um, so I doubt they'll do anything. I think Germany are much improved since they got rid of uh, the Joachim bogey Law. eater. Yeah, bogey eater. Um, they look a different side. They they bring some youth to this strike force, uh, especially with Kari Madiemi. But we'll, you know, I leave that well, one there. Football for manager legend. <laughs> he's been he's been leading the line for Germany. They're bringing through their next generations, working for them. Maybe not this World Cup per se, long term, as in getting into the later rounds of the tournament. But I think they are looking at maybe 2020, the Euros 2024, which is in Germany. I think they'll fancy themselves as as winners. And then the 2026 World Cup, which is in. North America? I have no idea. I think, I believe 2026 is the one hosted by everyone in North America. Um, But yeah, so I'd put money on Spain and Germany getting out of that group because Japan don't really have the quality. They're not the best team from Asia. You know, South Korea really, I don't, you never know. But Japan are a bit off. I don't think Japan will be a walkover. I think they're technically quite good and they've got a fantastic work rate. But, yeah, I don't see them qualifying over Spain and, and Germany. And if, if it's New Zealand that get in there as well, then lube up New Zealand. <laughs> Got nothing else to say to you. Group the F, this is another... The surfboard. This is another group, and I'm not sure how aware you are of Canada's uprising football. Yes, they've but got quite F, a few talents now. Group F is Belgium, Canada, Morocco and Croatia. Now... Ooh... That's probably I've, the toughest group so far, I'd say, without it being... I like names. Morocco. We saw Morocco play England in the World Cup. I think we beat them 1-0. They looked okay. They looked really good in qualification. Did well at... Not so well at the African Cup Nations in the long run. Belgium should top this group. But Canada, as you said, have mm. risen dramatically. And I could see Canada winning the group. But I don't think Croatia are the team they used to be. But are Belgium... 
Because if you look back a few years ago, they I mean, had Company, uh, Aldeveld, uh, Eden Hazard, who's been a busted flush for a couple of years now, can barely get off the treatment remember table. Um, yeah, remember him, uh, Real Madrid fans? What was it, about £86 million? And <clears throat> Gareth Belmont too. <clears throat> um, yeah, literally. Lukaku's pulling splinters out of his rear end at Chelsea. So unless that but changes... Does, but does it for Belgium? Yeah, but how long can However, he do it for Belgium? You know, it's the old Harry Maguire argument that we've had. How can you pick someone who's not on form for about two years? You know, don't forget we've still got, what, six months before the World Cup? Six months, yeah. Well, um, he'll be playing somewhere else in the summer, so he'll be so getting some game time. The, the golden generation of Belgium is now the golden oldies. They're not there anymore. Company's yeah, gone, if... Alderweireld's gone, uh, Vermaelen's gone. Who was the other one? Vertonghen? It's gone. Vertonghen. Eden Hazard's busted. Uh, basically, they're being kept together by De Bruyne and Lukaku. So... And Yuri Tillemans. And, oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. They've, I'm not saying they don't have talent. But no, I'm just saying, I love Yuri Tillemans. The, I the think big, he, he should be in the conversation. The big hoo-ha about them being the golden generation and they're going to finally win something for Belgium. Has been gone. This is not the same Belgian. Oh yeah, side. no, I don't. I don't so, think they're. I don't put them as one of the favourites. I just think they're the best team in that group. I think probably this is the most open group that I've heard so yes, far. Definitely, definitely. Because uh, as you said, Croatia aren't the power that they used to be. Um, they're probably going to have about a 38, 39 year old Luka Modric running around their midfield. I mean, don't get me wrong. How he's pulling out out of his rear end at Real Madrid. I don't know. His performances have been outstanding. Um, in last night. Yeah, exactly. And but it's it's a very young, very talented Croatia side at the moment, but a very mm. inexperienced one. So yeah. this this one for me is very hard to predict. I'm going to say Belgium and Croatia, but that's purely on reputation more than anything else. Uh Canada, on the other hand, let's talk about Canada quickly. They've got yes. a couple of well, very good players that, if I'm getting the names right, is it Alfonso Davis? They've got Alfonso Davis, who is uh, the one at Bayern Munich. Yeah, plays anywhere down the left side, doesn't matter where. And uh, the they've got Stephen Estacuio, who's at Porto, a central never midfielder. Heard of him. The other one I have heard is Jonathan David. Jonathan David, yeah, the centre forward. And another one who is well, fast as a rocket. So Yes, and next to him, they have. I want to get the pronunciation right. I think it's Kyle Larin, the spelt with a C. Right. His goal return for Canada is really good. Place for Bashitas in Turkey. I can see them potentially doing damage because I'm imagining they've got a really good counter-attacking style, bearing in mind the pace of their yeah, side. I think I think they go through. Ooh, who are they going through with though? Belgium. Oh, okay. However, I do want to say Morocco won't be whipping boys. Um their front three of Hakim Ziyech, Yusuf uh, Inazri, and who's the other one? Sofian Bufal from Southampton. That's a decent front three. Their midfield's a bit lacklustre, kind of led the line by Sofian Amrabat. But even their back four's not awful. Roman Saiz, the Wolves plays, their skipper. They've got Hakimi, who plays for PSG. Adam Messina plays for Watford. They've got some decent players. Listen, I don't think they're going to qualify. I think they probably will finish fourth. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the reason that, say, Croatia miss out because they can't beat them. 
Okay. I, I mean, Interestingly, I been... the last game of the group is Croatia, Belgium, Canada, Morocco. That one's really difficult to call, but I, I will stick with my first call, just purely on reputation alone. But I wouldn't like be group... surprised to see Croatia be replaced by Canada, to be honest. Group G, Switzerland, Cameroon, Brazil and Serbia. Ooh. I don't like this group. <laughs> this is I not think the, it's this is the standard, to be fair. There's always a group every year that you really don't want to watch. Oh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> and I think this is it. Um, oh, yeah, this is 100% it. People might call me crazy because Brazil are there and Brazil have got supposedly all this talent, but they're not the Brazil of years gone by. They're nowhere even close. Um, I was listening to, I don't know if you ever listened to uh, All Night on 606. No, but go on. They do a they do an around the around the world Tuesday night like one a.m. I listen to it as a podcast. But they do a show, and one of their basically they've got someone from each continent who comes on the show to talk about their region. And Tim Vickery, who's BBC correspondent, he lives in Brazil, talks a lot about Brazil, and he says Brazil always expects to do amazing, and this is the first World Cup he, since he's been in Brazil that they're not going to thinking we're going to win this. And that's what's made him say, Brazil, we're going to win it. <laughs> I can understand the logic, but I mean, they shouldn't have been saying that we're going to win this for years. Because, I mean, who have they had in recent years that has been of any real significance? Again, I, I mean, we've, we've had this debate so many times about Neymar. But that's what they've looked at. Was we've got Neymar. And even, do you remember, like, the Brazil's World Cup in Brazil, cast your mind back. Brazil were a very good side. But do you remember when Neymar got injured and they all lost their... The players all had shirts for him? Yes. Do you remember? Yeah. I sat there and went, well, you're going to get tough today. You're going to get spanked because you're too focused on Neymar than the rest of the team. And what happened? Germany bent them over. Yeah, because the, the talent's not there. I mean, they don't get me wrong. They have talented players. It, for example, Vinicius Junior is having a very good season at Real Madrid. Uh, Richelson, when he turns up, Richelson from Everton, who we'll touch on later. He's, he's fantastic for Brazil as well. If he way. turns up, he's a fantastic player. And Gabriel Anthony. Jesus is someone that I obviously really like. And I had this argument, I think it was with Pete on the pod previously at the beginning of the season when he was like, Man City haven't got any strikers. And I'm like, uh, hello. It was me. He's actually me. got a very. Oh, was it you? Okay. I yeah, apologize to Pete. Um, Not Jesus. <laughs> I was just like, oh well, yeah, okay. Um, and he seems to do the do the business for Brazil as well, from what I've seen. So Brazil's Brazil's last squad, right? Their strikers were Richardson, Anthony, Gabriel Martinelli, Gabriel Barbosa, and Roberto Firmino. That's like a football manager dream. It's not bad. I got to admit, although I'm not signing Barbosa because you oh, sign him as a striker. I signed Barbosa, and he was amazing for me. But I played him on the right wing. Well, that's the thing. I I did it. We talked about this. I signed him for Newcastle and for six months he was amazing. And then the second season, I had to play him on the right wing because he couldn't hit a cow's rear end with a banjo. So, um, but like I said, Brazil have got talent. The problem is, especially for my generation, we grew up with Fat Ronaldo and Rivaldo, Ronaldinho. Romario. Roberto Carlos, Romario, Cafu. uh, Magida. They, they had, Junior, like, Junior. Who was the other one who was next to him? Lucio. They had like these man man in centre halves and they had this I loved Lucio. unbelievable talent in front of them. And when you just say Brazil now, you're just like Richardson Everton. Yeah. yeah. 
I've gone from Ronaldo at Real Madrid, Romario at Barcelona, to Richarlson at Everton. They're, they're literally hanging their hopes on Neymar. The, the, apparently, the, the push in Brazil is this is Neymar's last attempt to, to be memorable. Um, well, he's not done it in France. He's, what, 31 now? He's going to be... Well, he'll be 31 at the World Cup because his birthday's in February. They're probably better off looking at, as you you said, Vinicius Junior, um, Anthony, Gabriel Martinelli, Rodrigo, bringing in the blood that are going to be young and they're going to be exciting. I think the thing is, is their lack of experience. But I expect Rafinha. them to get through to the the qualification oh, in that group. Yeah. <laughs> Who were the other three? Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. I'm gonna. I mean, go, I could... I'm gonna go Switzerland because they're they're always, as you said before, they're always that team that you gauge yourself against to see yeah. how well you're doing. Yeah. So I, I think Switzerland, but that is a group I really can't be asked to watch. And I love the minute. <laughs> I must admit, I'm terrible when the World Cup comes on. I'm in a very fortunate position where I'm not working at the moment. So whenever the World Cup comes on, I can sit my ass down and watch football wall to wall, match for match, nonstop. I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah, I'm going to have to um, find a way to get my iPad into work and ignore my patients while I. You mean to say I mean, they haven't work given really you hard? No, we get Microsoft Pro. Ooh, I don't know what one of them is. Right, Group H, the final group of the World Cup. That's the one I'm looking for. We have Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay. And South Korea. My money is going to be on Portugal because the amount of talent they've got is insane. Uh, I know this. Is, I know this is a computer game, but when I play championship, when I play football manager, the two places I tend to go for my players are Italy and Portugal because just the sheer level of talent they have is is representative of real life in, in the computer game. So there's the only thing for Portugal. I think that there may be an issue is. That, I don't think they've got a sh- an out and out striker. They so, Jal Felix through the middle, don't they? Um, they've got the lad at Liverpool. I can't remember his name now. I should do. Yota. Yeah, Diogo Yota, um, who plays through the middle for Liverpool, and he's a fantastic player. But I think this is also going to be Cristiano Ronaldo's last hurrah. So I'm not sure about Portugal, you know. I think they'll go through, but this is a side that could be Ireland. And I also fancy Uruguay to go through. Um, they've got some good talent, especially uh, native-based, if that's the right word. Domestic-based would be the better word. Domestic. Um, and they've, they're a team that knows, they've always known how to play ugly and win ugly. And um, I will, yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that because there's something I want to add to this pod as well. Um, yeah, um, in terms of that's funny enough, talking about Uruguay, obviously people will remember Luis Suarez's handball against Ghana in the quarterfinals. Do you remember? Yeah. Cost Ghana a spot in the World Cup semi-final and they're now going to play each other in the group stage. I have a feeling. So I'm, I'm going to put through Brazil. Not Brazil. They're not in it. Portugal. Ooh. I really, really think Uruguay are going to get cost by Ghana. But I'm not sure that puts Ghana through, and I don't really want to put South Korea through. So I'm going to stick with Uruguay and just say that Ghana and Uruguay draw for whatever reason. 
they actually play each other on the last group game. It'd be quite nice if Ghana beat them to qualify, wouldn't it? So who's but, your um, money on to win the whole tournament? England. <laughs> it, France. I'm gonna chuck I think a they're the best squad. I'm gonna chuck a dart. I want to say England, by the way. Just saying, but can't I can't say England because I'll get laughed at. So France. Uh, okay, um, England. <laughs> make up your mind. Come on, put now. Now England. you England. You want England to win the World Cup? Yeah, fuck it. Let's go. The the smart money's on on France. Uh, yeah, my heart says England. <laughs> my money. If I was a betting man, I'd actually put money on Portugal. I just think Ronaldo's last World Cup. I think Fernandez, the, the talent they've got is obscene. If, if even if you've just yes. got Fernandez, Ronaldo, Jota in the same team, I don't want to play that team. Can you yeah. guess who is favourites to win? The, if you, betting odds, can you guess who is favourites to win the World Cup? France or Brazil? Brazil. It's probably Brazil. I don't know why they're favourites all the time. Brazil, France, England. Uh, so Brazil nine to two, France five to one, England eleven to two, Spain eight to one, then Argentina, Germany, and Belgium, Holland and Portugal all at twelve, and then after that is a gap to Denmark. But if you fancy Saudi Arabia, they are a thousand to one. Well, put tenner on that, and you'll be minted. <laughs> where do Come you out. Think, being realistically, I know you want England to win it. Where do you think England will end up? So here's the thing. I've worked out if we win the group, where we get to, all right? Quarterfinals. I think we're good enough to make the semis. However, the quarterfinals would be us against France. And at that point, it's home time. I think if you, if again, it's a matter, it's a matter of how the draw falls and luck. Our best path would genuinely be finishing second. Because I think, so if we win the group, we'll play the runner up of group A, the winner of, if we, yeah. Runner up of Group A, which is, I think we put through, it was Holland's group. Let's have a look. Senegal or, sorry, hold on. Senegal or Ecuador, depending on which one you fancy. I would put Ecuador. I think you said Senegal. But then after that, we played the winner of France against Germany. No, France against Argentina, or I would do it would be France Mexico for me, and I think you said Argentina to go through, so it'd be France Argentina for you. Where if we finish second, we'd play Holland in the first case. Sorry, that's wrong. Can't call them Holland anymore. They're not Holland. We would play the Dutch, and then we would play Germany or France. Germany slash. Uh, Mexico, Poland. Oh, okay. So actually, finishing second is probably the easiest route for us to get to the semi-finals. But I think we win the group, we then end up playing France in the quarters, and then that's where we go home. Rather than if we finish second, we get through the game against Holland, which is a tough game on its own. We're then ended up playing Germany or Poland or Mexico, or we could probably get past them. We've seen us beat Germany. I think we've seen us beat Poland of late. Mexico could be a difficult game, but it's an easier route than if we were to play France. For me personally, I think we'll make the last 16. Anything after that, I'm not sure. I know I've been on this podcast a long time and I've bashed Gareth Southgate in some people's eyes. I've not bashed him, bashed him, but I just don't think he's the man to lead us to a trophy. I don't think he's tactically good enough. And I think it proved it 
in the final against a really old aging Italy defence. Uh, and he got that school and outclassed. That was the moment, to be honest, like I was defending him, but I can't defend that because the game was there to be won. And I've said to you before, we, we've, we've talked before, I'm still not convinced that Gareth Southgate is in charge of England and in charge of selections. I think he is the lovable figure that they wheel out to face the public. Uh, I'm starting to wonder, because of this whole Team England culture, I've recently been learning a little bit about cricket. I still find it boring as hell, but I've been finding a little bit out about cricket. And cricket, cricket, from what I understand, has got a team of selectors that select the squad. Used to, previously. Right. Things have changed. Um, which yeah, involves they, like the have. captain of the team and several other people. It was the captain, the coach, and the sporting director. And yes, basically, if it's put into football terms, the chairman, the director of football, the manager, and the captain. They all pick the squad, right? It's now changed to the captain. Right. Oh, the the feeling I'm getting is the Team England ethos means that they have a selection committee as opposed to Gareth Southgate picking the squad. Because and if McGuire you listen, picks the squad. Exactly. Because <laughs> if you listen, we've called it out. I think we've talked about this on the last podcast and you were like, don't say that you're going to pick on form if you're not going to pick on form. And it's the argument I've always had as well. So he came out and said, I'm picking on form. And then basically that's changed slightly to I'm picking on people based on the form that they've played for under me rather than their Mm. club form. Uh, So that makes me wonder if Gareth Southgate is the poor bloke that they actually wheel out in front of the the cameras to talk about it while the selections are actually being made behind the scenes. So I agree. Because what what more does Jared Bowen need to do? Well, (laughs) he needs to recover from injury first. Well, um, he, he was fit at that point. But, I mean, you can argue the same the thing with Jaden Sancho. I know Jaden Sancho's got a few caps, but if you look at the last tournament, they basically refused to play him. Yeah, and he's, he's actually me. been Man United's best player, arguably, over the last, couple of, last month or two. And he's not oh, even in this it? squad. He's not even in the most recent squad. So, it does seem to me like, there is more going on behind the scenes at Club England than there is, than we're seeing. So, and for me, like I said, going back to before I went off on a ramble, I'm not attacking Gareth Southgate. I'm sure he's a lovely fella, but he, he lucked, from my perspective, he lucked into the England job because Sam Allardyce got whistled after getting caught doing the dodgy. Did what he did. He had no record of doing anything as a coach. And when he's been up in the big games, if you go back to the Croatia game, which I think it was 2018, I think, and against Italy in the final, there was times when tactical decisions needed to be made and his counterparts made them, but Gareth Southgate didn't. So I just, I just think, I'm sure he's a lovely fella. I'm sure he's working his artist. I'm sure he's doing the best he can. I just don't think as a manager is good enough it's the same argument with Oli. I loved Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. But tactically, he just obviously wasn't good enough um, at the job. So he had to go. And that's my stance, basically. Nothing against Gareth Southgate as a person. I just don't think he's going to be the one to win us a World Cup or a Euros. 
Right, onwards we go. UEFA, Ryan. They've announced yes. that they're going to get rid of FFP. No more financial fair. Oh, go on, give me this, because I actually haven't heard this news. It's only dropped today. So, yes, it has. It was dropped. Oh, the wonderful world dropped. of UEFA have decided to Indeed. fuck something up again. So what are they doing it, now? It was dropped at three o'clock this afternoon, UK time. UEFA agree new final sustainability rules. So in other words, they've just renamed it. Final sustainability? Final what? Financial, sorry. Oh, right. Okay, thank you. Final sustainability rules? What the fuck? UEFA has brought in new financial regulations, which will limit clubs spending on wages, transfer and agents fees to 70% of their revenue. Permitted losses over three years is allowed to rise from what was 30 million euros to now 60 million euros. New rules will come into force in June. And clubs will have three years to implement these. UEFA said breaching will result in predefined financial penalties and sporting measures. Clubs are allowed to spend 90% of their income for the 23-24 season, but reducing by 10% for the next two seasons. The new financial sustainability regulations have been put together by FIFA, this, and the Influential European Club Association, which I don't know what that is, are the major um... reform of the financial rules. I think that would probably be all the teams that were involved in trying to get the Super League going. But yeah, carry on. Currently, clubs can spend up to five million more than they earn per the three-year assessment period. However, they can access this limit, exceed this limit, and up 30 million, which makes no sense of having a, here's your limit, but go over it by 30. So whatever. Um, Penalties have been given out before, but now will be set in stone beforehand. Obviously, Man City, I think, were in trouble for breaching. Was it financial fair play that they breached in? Yeah. Atletico Madrid were done with it, and then both teams got away with it. So, mate, you said a a thing before we went on live, and you just said it's just probably just filling in holes. It looks like it it is very much just trying to fill in a few holes that they haven't got and may make it a bit more club-friendly for, again, the bigger clubs. I, I don't. I actually think this actually hinders the bigger clubs just slightly because, from what you've told me and from what little I've seen, looking at it, they're actually trying to reduce the spend in a different way now. Because beforehand there was no limit on how much of your income you could spend. It was just like you make the money, you can spend the money. Now they're actually setting limits on how much of your income you can spend, much in the same way that the Spanish uh, federations in League. the Liga did with Real Madrid and Barcelona. They put a 70% cap on them so that they could control their spending and try and get out of debt. Although we know Barcelona are just going to borrow, borrow, borrow and live forever. I learned there. something random. Again, thanks to the world of football manager. Do you know, based on where you finish in La Liga, there's a wage cap for you for the next season. I did not know that, no. So if you win the league, you're allowed to spend blah, whatever it is. If you finish second, you're allowed to spend a little bit less. Third, a little bit less. Fourth, a little bit less. And then from like seventh, from like, I think it's tenth downwards, everyone's the same. But if you finish in the top 10, for every position you finish higher, you get to spend more money and you have like a salary cap. So like if you win the league, the salary cap's like five million, whatever. Obviously, you have to register. That's why Barcelona are having the money problems to finance because they had to stay under the quota because they finished second last. So they had a budget that would fit if they won the league, but they finished second. So and they were then, then over the budget. Additional cap. Yeah. And then, then there was a yeah. 70% cap that was put on on top. My Valencia team was fucking well over wage. I was finishing like ninth. And I was like, I'm, 
I'm screwed here. Half the squad's going to have to leave. I understand what they're doing with these new rules, but the reality is it's not going to make a blind, blind bit of difference because all clubs will do is they will do exactly what Manchester City did and they will go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and they will have the ruling overturned by lawyers and not have to pay a penny. So There's a bit here where they've said at the end, this will help the smaller clubs improve their chances of beating the bigger clubs. No, it won't. Because their income, the, the bigger clubs will still have more income, mate. Yes. That, that <laughs> argument makes, is mute. stupid. <laughs> like, are you telling me Man United are playing Burnley? Who's going to have more money? Well, United still, because they're going to pump in the money. <laughs> like, they're going to get money from sponsorships and all sorts. Exactly. That is the way. The only way you can compete now as a football club is to... Not You can't do it the way Chelsea did it. Look how Chelsea are now that Roman Abramovich is no longer in charge. You can't have a sugar daddy that just pumps money in, money in, money in, and money in. This is, I think, the problem that Newcastle are going to find because I noticed that when I take over the first season of Newcastle on Football Manager, if you ain't very careful, you very, very quickly go over the FFP and then you mm. don't get to play in Europe and you get fined by the, the Premier League and UEFA because your chairman's just chucking money at you left, right and centre to spend, spend, spend. And then you suffer consequences. So the only way that you can compete now is by increasing your revenue, which is commercial deals, which is basically what, basically what the Glazers did as soon as they came in the club. They tried to sell everything. They put a sponsorship on everything from deodorant that the players wear to cars the players get to bucket seats in the dugouts to I, I remember Alex Fer when Alex Ferguson was in charge the players whether it was home or away turned up in suits in the club's official suit now if you look at them they've got a training top they've got a pre-match top they turn up in loose fitting gear because that is all sponsored so it's basically anything you can whack a sponsorship on now You've got to do it because that is the only way you're going to be able to grow your football club and challenge it. Very Americanized, isn't it? It is, but it's also the more sustainable way of doing it. It's, it's, the, it's the one that makes money, doesn't it? At the end of the day, that's how you make money. No, sadly, that's a lot of the bigger money deals now. Are, I think I saw something the other day like Tamil have sponsors, Husky, they own 60% of the club's income through their sponsorship deal. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who Husky Chocolates are. I mean, feel free to Google them if you... if you Maybe you'll like Husky Chocolate. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I, I'm a Galaxy <laughs> man, so... I know they do, like, shakes as well. But, yeah, they... Mills money from them. It's massive for a championship club. And as you said, it's the only way, really, making money at a significant level in football now. Yes, it, it, that, that is the way, because of the way the, the rules are now. I know the rules keep getting breached and they send lawyers to deal with it. But essentially, the, the only way you're going to find sustainability now is, is to make as much money as you possibly can. And I mean, not meaning to sound funny, people have had arguments with Pete on this podcast about the Glazers and what the Glazers have done to Man United. And Pete's very much been of the case of, Oh, they did this and they did that. But what people don't realise is the sheer volume of cash that the Glazers have brought into Old Trafford. It, the, the sponsorship deals and everything, they were like record-breaking year after year hmm. after year. Even like when Man United make a sub, it's sponsored by yeah. someone. 
Yeah, I'm sure. There's your Manchester United substitute sponsored by Chevrolet. Exactly. I'm sure, like, the players have got sponsored underwear and and God knows what else by now. So, you know, they've brought in a lot of money, but it is the only way to move forward. So, I fear, talking about it quickly, I I noticed Chelsea still haven't been sold since we last did our, our podcast. Living off of a sugar daddy who's supplementing your wages and supplementing your overall income. I mean, from what I heard, I think he chucked in about another 300 million quid uh, into the into their bank balance before he was told he couldn't put anything else in. Um, so you can't have a sugar daddy anymore. You can't have someone just give you cash and cash and cash and take out loan after loan after loan, despite what Barcelona are currently doing. But I mean, even Barcelona recently signed a deal with Spotify. So mm. even there now, like, okay, we need to get out of this. So the biggest deal, the of, of all things to sell, it was the naming rights to the Camp Nou or the New Camp, whatever you want to call it. And it's now Spotify Camp Nou. Well, it sounds and gross, doesn't it? It does. It sounds absolutely appalling. But I mean, it, I remember uh, Mike Ashley doing it at Newcastle. I don't know if you remember. It was Direct like, 24. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, Sports Direct Arena or something at St James's Park or something. It, mm. It's horrible, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm surprised that it's one of the things that the Glazers haven't touched at Old Trafford. Yet is yeah it, yet, and I mean it, it could happen eventually, but I yeah the Chevrolet Stadium. I'm expecting it at some point. You know, it sounds awful and it's destroying the heritage of football unfortunately, but money's money. You need your money. You've got to keep playing your football. And the only way you can keep playing your football is if you've got your money because money is now a business. I, I think we talked about it before on, on the pod that I was hoping that the pandemic would burst the financial bubble of clubs and people would start doing things a bit more sensibly, but it didn't come to, to pass. If anything, I think the only ones that have, been a bit more savvy with it is I've noticed a lot of players now are running down their contracts rather than signing new ones and they are going to be moving for the biggest lump sum that they can get so it's going to save clubs a little bit of money because they're not paying 30 40 million but you can guarantee about 20 million of what they would have paid is going to be going to the player now instead of to another club So speaking of players leaving clubs, well, I think we should hit Everton because they're about to lose half their squad. <laughs> they uh, last night were beaten by Burnley in a, what really was a relegation six-pointer, three-two at Turf Moor. Uh, Everton Burnley went one up. Nathan Collins, Richardson scored two penalties for Everton. Joe Rodriguez equalised in a last-minute, well, not last-minute, last few minutes scenes when Maxwell Cornet uh, scored the winner for Burnley. I don't know if you've seen it, Ryan. Have you seen? Burnley's winner. No, I haven't. So Everton, it's just it's just error after error. So Everton on the on the attack, it's about thirty five yards out, and John Joe Kenny just hits a shot. You've got five minutes left. You need to win this game, John Joe Kenny. It's a thirty five yard shot. It's never going in. If it goes in, it's one in what one in a million. He's it. So many players are in and running. Keeper save. Nick Pope is in goal. He clears it. Goes up the other end, he gets put put out for a throw in. 
again, relegate a six-pointer. Charlie Taylor takes the throwing quick with Jay Rodriguez. Decore and John Joe Kenny are stood there. Neither of them move when Jay Rodriguez controls it and lays it back to Taylor. The minute Taylor gets on the ball, Decore starts walking towards him. Taylor lets a free cross in to the box. No one's near him. Goes through Jared Braithwaite, who's a, a think an Everton youngster, through his legs. And then Mason, uh, not Mason Greenwood, Ben Godfrey completely just hit, goes to kick it with his right foot. It hits his left leg, bubbles up in the air. Vidra lays in a cross, and there is not an Everton player in the box, and there's just Maxwell Corner in the middle to tap it in. It is just catalogue of error from Everton. And it sums up their season. However, I knew Everton were going to lose this game. When I saw the start at 11, I started watching the game and Mason Holgate was playing central midfield. I mean, of all... We, we can go into the detail about how Everton suck and their squad isn't great. However, you, as much as whatever you think of Fabian Dell, he was on the bench, so was Deli Ali. You could have played one of them instead of Mason Holgate. Or, you know, if you want to play Mason Holgate, play five at the back. He's put Mason Holgate in centre of midfield in a game that you needed to win. Yeah, but I'm I mean, stunned. This is Frank Lampard. This is the same guy who Antonio Rudiger, who is Chelsea's best defender by a country mile. This is a guy that couldn't even. Frank Lampard wouldn't put Rudiger in his team. He banished him to like the reserves or the under 18s or something stupid like that. And as soon as Frank Lampard left. Rudiger was straight back in and Chelsea were flying again. And Frank Lampard, he makes some awful decisions, some genuinely awful positions. And yes, he does. <laughs> awful decisions, sorry, not positions. And he, I, I honestly, I don't understand the hype around him. The, the problems start at the very top. I mean, we saw it a couple of months ago. They cleaned everybody out who basically had a job performance director, head of head of uh, medical, head of transfers, you name it, they got rid of it all. There is Their chairman is bonkers, as far as I yep. can see. He's got tons of cash, and he's like, oh, you've got a name, I'll have you. Carlo Ancelotti, you're available, I'll take you. Rafa Benitez, you've got a name, even though everybody in this club fucking hates you, I will get you. Frank Lampard, you've got a name. I like you. And his attitude has been the same with players. Deli Alley busted flush for fucking years. When was the last time? 2018, the last time Ali was really relevant? Mm-hmm. Roughly. Sign yeah. him. Why not? Busted flush. Let's sign him. Yeah, great. Donny van der Beek, been at Manchester United for two years, done nothing, barely played. Okay, we'll sign him too. Anwar El Ghazi. Yeah, I was about to say that that's the deal that I love so much. So right, we, we got rid of Luca Digne, but don't worry about it. Don't, we've don't, got Anwar El Ghazi. We've got El Ghazi, lads. The thing that baffles me the most, right, is the easiest deal in the world to make, right? And we actually saw this deal transpire in a slightly different direction. But they sold Lucas Digne to Aston Villa. If I'm Everton manager, the first thing I'm doing in, return, in response to that is, if you want Digne, you're giving me Matt Target as part of the mm. deal. Matt Target, you knew straight away, if they're signing Lucas Digne, he's going straight into the team. Matt Target is a very good, solid Premier League left-back. So if I'm losing my best left-back, I want a replacement. But no, they didn't do that. They signed a winger on loan instead, a winger that's played, if I'm correct, two minutes 
That's if I'm correct. No, he didn't come on yesterday. He's played two minutes. Nobody seems to know who signed him because apparently Rafa Benitez didn't want him and apparently Frank Lampard didn't want him either. So He has played two games, apparently. Uh, from what I'm understanding, the owner of Everton, I can't remember, is, is Farad Moshiri? Yes. I think. Apparently, he's got an agent in his ear. Pina Sahavi, I think his name is. He's a penis, clearly, yeah. Uh, my understanding is is he's the one advising Mashiri on what deals to do. And Bill Kenwright, the former uh, owner of Everton, but has been kept on as a chair person or a person of the board or a, di- a director, executive, whatever, is trying to hold it all together. But these signings, I don't think any of them are Frank Lampard's. I don't think any of them were Rafa Benitez. Mm-hmm. And we all know, we all said, Rafa Benitez, whose fucking idea was this? Terrible, terrible idea. People have criticised Man United for having no leadership for years. Exactly the same situation is going on at Everton right now. There is no leadership from the top to the bottom. If I was okay. them right now, I would sack Frank Lampard because he's already proved that he hasn't got the chops for the job because he keeps coming out, attacking the players, then keeps picking the same players, so making it even worse. I don't like you. You're not good enough, but you're going to play. You're going to get battered, and then I'm going to attack you again, so it's going to get even worse. And round and round and round we go. Sack Mm. him. Duncan Ferguson gets the job till the end of the season. He is the only man that I can see that would get any kind of momentum back in that Everton squad, and they might, might squeak it at the last whistle. But if they're staying with Frank Lampard, he hasn't got the tactical mouse to do squat. We saw it at Chelsea. We actually saw it in the Derby. I think when he was at Derby. Oh, yeah. It was, I think they were in a playoff final or semi-final. Yeah, Aston Villa, and they got outplayed. And he made some bizarre decisions with his starting lineup and his tactics. He basically moved away from what he'd been using and Mm -hmm. went a different way. So Frank Lampard's not all to blame. As we said on WhatsApp, I'll stick up for him for a little little bit because it's not all his fault. He walked into a ship that was already sunk, basically. And imagine a dinghy popping in the ocean and Frank Lampard's there with a pump trying to keep it afloat and trying to get it to go back up again. It's not Frank Lampard's fault. It is. You can just imagine him like, (laughs) pump, pump, pump. Come on, stay up, you bastard. Stay up, stay up. They're not staying up. There's, there's no way in hell. Calvin, Calvert-Lewin, I'm sorry, people have been raving about Calvert-Lewin, saying how good he is. Go and have a look at his stats. For the last two years, prior to that boom he had last year, he scored 10 goals in two seasons. And he had one good season, yep. in part because he was playing well, under Duncan Ferguson. Because he was playing under Duncan Ferguson, that's when it all kicked off was when all of a sudden Calvert-Lewin was like, oh, I quite like this manager. He's telling me what to do. No, he's injured. Is he's he back injured now, but now? He's, No, he's fit, but I mean, you wouldn't know he's there. The the thing that one of... This is, again, it's something that I've just noticed. Uh, well, I noticed last night. When I saw that Mason Holgate was playing central midfield, I went on to Everton's club website. I thought they must have a midfielder. and They must have a midfielder. And then I looked at their Premier League registered squad they have three goalkeepers registered one of them is Andy Lonergan right 
but they don't have Tom Davis registered. Hey? He's in a, he's ineligible to play Premier League games from the January transfer window onwards. What? He was registered, but when they signed when they made their signings in January, they unregistered Tom Davis. He's not registered to play a Premier League game. Whose genius idea was that? Well, I'm assuming Lampard, because he must send off the registration. But this is what I mean about having no leadership at all. No That's absolute alley, common mate. sense anywhere. You seriously... Are we... Jesus. Go on. We, I said, like, we had this discussion ages ago. Everton spent no money, and we said it, go back to the season preview we did, and we all said, all right, we didn't predict Everton would go down, but we all said, don't expect anything from Everton. Their team is shocking. Their team is, is shocking. I'm something like, people go on about their like Everton's defensive record before this season. I'm still saying it's a fluke because Michael Keane is terrible. Seamus Coleman is 104. Your left back doesn't speak any English, bless him. He's I'm surprised I'm really honestly surprised he's playing. All credit to him. Um Vitaly Mikhalenko, the, the Ukrainian lad, doesn't speak a word of England. Lucas Gano in English, doesn't look at Skyno in his own country, and his team he's playing for is crap. Your centre back pairing is my Mason Holgate and Michael Keane, or when Mike, Mason Holgate's not playing central midfield. And as I said, your right back is Seamus Coleman and John Joe Kenny is the other right back, who who was struggling in Scotland. But is for some reason good enough to play in the Premier League. And don't the, forget, they also shined. Who is it? Nathan Patterson from Rangers. And yes, haven't played him, played, and now he's and injured. Played him. And then you look at their strike force: Calvert Lewin, Damari Gray, Andros Townsend, Solomon Rondon, Alex Iwobi, Richardson. But I'm going to take the Charleston out because he's good. The rest of them: Damari Gray was good for a month. Andrus Townsend was released by Palace. Solomon Rondon... Oh, sorry, I forgot Chenk Tosson as well. So, Solomon Rondon was... What's his name's best friend? Rafa. What? Whoever put this squad together, as if it's so, as you rightly said, about the chairman and the agent, whatever. What? I'm, I honestly... I think if Everton go down... There's every chance they don't come back. I actually worry for Everton if they go down because the way that their deals have been structured, and obviously I don't have any solid information on this, but it's just my gut feeling. It strikes me as the people running Everton or the people that own Everton aren't savvy enough to have put relegation uh, reduction clauses in these players' contracts. So like in, Mm. in Football Manager, when you negotiate a contract, if you're lower in the leagues, you can put in like a relegation 50% wage reduction. And then you can put in like a 50% bo- uh, promotion uh, rise if like you come back up. I don't think anybody at Everton is financially savvy enough to say, right, yeah, okay, if we go down, you lose 50%. Because I honestly don't think they were expecting to go there from what I understand is since Mashiri come in, I think they spent about 500 million pounds on players alone. That's on the right side, Deli Ali's going to cost them bugger all. Well, he's cost them bugger all right now, but yeah. Well, well, even with the, he ain't going to play the 20 games. Let's have a look how many games. He had to play 20 games between January and the end of the year. He's currently on six. There's what? Seven then, games left. One, two, But three, then again, five, this, six, is, nine, nine. this is also another issue. It's just like, if you've bought him, 
why aren't you going to play him? This is another weird Frank Lampard situation because it's the same with Anthony Gordon. Before Lampard came in, Everton's shining light was Anthony Gordon. He was the only player doing anything special. The fans loved him. They saw he was trying and, and giving his best. And then Frank Lampard comes in and says, right, yeah, I'm not playing you. And then he signs yeah, Deli Alley. That's the worst thing. If Deli Alley is one of his signings, is then not playing him. But that, that signing was completely bonkers anyway, because Deli Alley hasn't produced in about two and a half, maybe three years. In that time, he might produce in the championship. He's had what five managers, I'd say. Let's have a look. Pochettino was the last manager he performed under. Since then, he's performed he's played under Mourinho. Well, I mean, he performed under Mourinho for a brief, for a brief spell. Until Mourinho attacked him in public, yes. Yes. Um, Nuno. He played on Mourinho, Nuno, Frank Lampard. Even the end of Pochi was out the squad up the side. Who else? Someone else. Somebody else. He's played under Conte as well. So, four managers, arguably two of them world class. And he's done fuck all. At the end of the day, you can't say it's the manager's fault. Because he's played under four different managers and done nothing. And Frank Lampard even had a pop at him uh, in a press conference. Uh, nobody seemed to pick up on this, but I did. He said that like Deli Ali wasn't physically ready, and we're not going to play him until he is physically ready. And we saw Jose Mourinho on the Netflix documentary, I think it was, tear Deli Ali apart because he doesn't train properly. He, do- mm. he doesn't train with the right intensity, not doing it. So if he's not training hard enough, then he's not going to be playing. Why do you sign him? Donny van der Beek, I kind of understand because it was like, okay, he trains hard. He's been doing his best, but he's just not been given an opportunity by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, basically. So you take a punt. You take a gamble. But Deli Ali, you know he's a busted flush. Mm. Why do you, you sign him? Coming. And then Anwar El Ghazi, a player that Aston Villa didn't want, but apparently Everton do, but now they don't. And, and when you've got wingers already, Anwar because you've got, you've got Richardson, Gordon, Gray, uh, Andros Townsend. Well, he's not Pintosin. a winger, he's supposed to be a, tr- a striker. But you've got four, we've got four wingers, so we're going to sell a left back and bring in another winger. Where's, where's the logic? Where's the sense? There's no leadership anywhere. It baffles me. It's just as baffling as what's going on at Old Trafford. It's just like Man United, they were like, okay, we know there's this guy out there who's really good at building clubs. So what we're going to do is instead of bringing him in as a director of football to oversee everything, we're going to employ him as our head coach and then maybe keep him on as a consultant afterwards. So we know he's good at this job, but we're going to give him two different jobs instead. Yeah, and actually... Before I go on to my final point about Everton, you made a point that's really true about, about Anthony Gordon, right? You, you're in this position. It's something that Cholton have done often and and it worked to a degree for earlier parts of this season. When you're underperforming, playing shite, that's when you get an Anthony Gordon or in Cholton's case, a Mason Burstow, a John Joe Shelby or whatever, a homegrown talent and that lifts up because... 
I'm used to Charlton being shit, right? <laughs> when it's Charlton's kids, it's different. You put on that shirt, you're giving it a go, you're one of us, that's fine. You're going to get Everton fans are be more willing to let Anthony Gordon have a crap game than if they sit there and Andros Townsend's playing shit again. They're less likely to turn. Which makes the, the exclusion of Tom Davis even more baffling. Exactly. Exactly. It's absolutely Stupid. shocking. Because I know you're not a fan of Mason Holgate. I actually quite like Mason Holgate. I think if he's... One of the key things about Mason Holgate for me is he's very, very fast for a defender. And... Um, he's good at a last-ditch tackle. So if you put him alongside someone like Yerry Mina, who I know has been injured a lot, who's not as fast but reads the game very well, then you've got a very good balance. But if you're playing someone like Keane, who is completely devoid of so much confidence, I mean, you're talking about Deli Alley, see, see Michael Keane. It's the same thing. They're so unbelievably busted that any talent that was once there doesn't look like it's ever going to come back. I'd like to um, argue Michael Keane never had any. He did have some oh, talent, go. but not a massive amount of talent. I think he did very well at Burnley, and that's what got him his move to Everton. Burnley. But, Ironic, really, isn't it? You know, but, I mean... But, um, what, I'm, what can you say to, to a point? Is the more foreign owners we've got that have got more money than sense. Abramovich did it, but at least Abramovich was like, right, I'm going to go and get the very best of what I can get. Mm. So that's great. This guy has not. No. He's, he's just like, you've got a name, I'll have you. You've got a name, I'll have you. And then it gets to a point where, oh, shit, we've fucked financial fair play. We can get this guy on a free, that guy on a free. We can pay £1.5 million for him. And to be fair to Damari Gray, I think he's justified his 1.5 million. Yeah. Um, if it was 10, I'd question it. Uh, and then it's like, oh, okay. Do with what you've got. And then on top of that, you employ a manager who is soul-suckingly bad, not only in terms of reputation in that city, but as a football manager who is... Basically, his tactics, like we've talked on here before, he's another one of the dinosaurs that is time to go bye-bye. Mm. Yeah. If, and if, if you... If, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. If anything, I would have employed Rafa Benitez as a director of football so you could use his connections to get quality transfers in. Although it's a bit questionable considering he did sign Solomon Rondon. But, Yeah. Yeah, and if you look at Everton's remaining fixtures, it's rough. They have Man United on Saturday, which depends what Man United turns up. They're either going to get trounced or it's a nil-nil draw. Um, but again, you fancy United. Then they've got Leicester. Leicester, who looked slightly better in the last week or so. Then they've got Liverpool at Anfield. Chelsea, Leicester again. Watford, Palace, and then they end the season at the Emirates. They're not staying up. They're, they're not. Their hope there, really, is they beat Leicester twice. And that game at Vicarage Road is absolutely massive. If they lose to Watford, they're down. But aren't Burnley also ahead of them with a game in hand? Burnley are still below them by are one they? point. Yes. But they've got a game in hand, table right? here, But they have a game in hand. 
And Watford are also have a game in hand and are two points off them. My biggest fear, I can see Everton being a Nottingham Forest. If they yeah, go down, they're so badly mismanaged at fundamental levels yeah. that they're going to have to have a fire sale to get rid of anybody worth anything. And they're going and, to be living for a couple <laughs> of years on their youth products just to keep them afloat. I know, so, I know some people will, but if you're a Premier League side, Realistically, I know. I mean, obviously, it's, it will happen. People will sign players for no apparent reason. If you're a Premier League side and you look at this Everton squad, who are you signing? What from that Everton who, squad? Who are you say? Who say you're? I don't know. Who's mid-table Premier? Newcastle. Right, we're using. They've got money. Who are you looking at that Everton squad and saying we'll have Richardson? Maybe Yerry Mina. Richarlson would go, Yeri Mina would go, Decore, I think, would probably go. Allen would go abroad. Um, Allen needs to go abroad anyway, his legs are shot. Pickford would probably go. I can see Pickford staying, though, but I wouldn't be shocked if a team came in for him. I can't see him leaving. I don't think anyone looks to there. Going in squad order, squad number order, Pickford. I don't think know, anyone would be. sign him. Don Joe Kenny will stay because no one's going to want him. He's crap. He might he, he might actually go to Germany because he had a successful spell in Germany. So someone might take a punt on him there. But again, Nathan Patterson just arrived. It's not going to be anything substantial if they sell some of these players. Yeah, exactly. Nathan Patterson's just arrived. Mason Holgate will probably stay. I don't really see yeah. a club wanting him. Yeah. Michael Keane, same. I, th- I actually think he'd probably go. Realistically. I, th- I think he'd probably Burnley. go. And it wouldn't be surprised me if he went somewhere completely nondescript like China or somewhere just to get him off the wage bill because his wages are going to be so high. And this boils back to the point I made earlier about them not being savvy enough to put reduction clauses in. Hmm. Then the next one's Alan who leaves. Yeah. Richardson's the one that big guy who goes somewhere and they should get a decent return for Richardson. I'd probably 30 million if he gets dropped. If they drop a division, they'll get about 30 million quid. Probably. Someone like PSG would uh, take a punt on him just for 30 million quid as a backup. W and Delft's out of contract, but they probably sign him anyway. to a new one. Albert Lewin, I think, stays, really. I think he'd be sold. So, if they could get a decent offer, I think they'd sell him because, again, wages. Damari Gray, probably, I think Damari Gray would stay. Yuri Mina goes. Yeah. Townsend's out of contract, but I think they'd renew him. Yeah. The core goes. Yep. The Wobi probably stays because who wants to sign out to Wobi? I, I, I actually Unless he goes would, to Turkey or somewhere. I was going to say, a Wobi would probably leave. I think they'd probably fancy him somewhere like Turkey or Germany or Greece. Cenk, Cenk Tossen, Andre Gomes are both out of contract, so they'll probably both just walk anyway. Yep. Ben Godfrey stays because yep. I don't think right now, if it was this time last year when he was on the Bolden England squad, who knows? But he's had a year. Seamus Coleman out of contract, so goes. Retires. Um, Solomon Rondon goes. I don't know if his contract's up, but I'm assuming won't be there. But no one's going to want to buy Deli Ali, so he'll stay there. Yeah, De- Deli Ali will go there. And I mean, Deli Ali's going to be on two, about 150 grand a week, probably. Two, but I do believe Deli Ali does have a relegation clause in it. I'm I sure hope he does, was, because if because he's on he's 150 signed. grand a week and they're trying to pay him in a championship, I could see him very quickly being loaned out to someone just to cover as much of his wages as possible. And then the that's what I mean, like the Corey Alan. I could see it being very similar. Then their loan players, they've only got two. 
Moisey Kane, who's, I think there's a deal done. He's signing for Juventus in the summer. Yeah, I was going to say, they've got a, an obligation to buy for 27, I think. And then Jean-Philippe Gubamin. Oh, he's going to go. Yeah, he'll go. And then, obviously, there's two unregistered players. Um, we won't go into Gilfie Sigurdsson's situation, but obviously, contract to the club for another I don't year, even so, know what so. his situation is. All I heard is there's... I'll tell you when we get off the pod. Okay. Tom, Tom Davis, and then Tom Davis will say... I can see him probably being Everton captain, <laughs> frankly. The big thing for me is they can sell all these players or move all these players on in whatever form. But how much money are they going to have to spend? Because they're going to have to compete with a completely different level of financial fair play. And mm. if they haven't done what well, I said... luckily, they get big parachute payments, which help them. Yes, but that doesn't help when it comes to FFP. You've still got to hit your target. It, it, it will go towards your FFP, though. Yeah, but in wages terms... It's not going to no, make a bloody bit of difference. As in, but there isn't a wage cap limit on in, in your FFP and championship. No, but you know what I'm saying is like they're yeah, going to yeah, be hemorrhaging it, money left, right, and centre. If not, going if to they're still there in like FFP. three years, then there's a problem. Rather than they'll but, be all right for the first few years. It's once the once the music stops. Once the music stops. What the fuck does that mean? No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, once the music stops and the money from the Premier League goes, you're fucked. Mm. So, but you look at like I said, you look at Delhi Ali's got to be on about 150 grand a week. Uh, yeah. Calvin Lewin's probably oh. on about 100. Uh, Yeri Mina's probably about 80 to 100, I would think. Um, I'm not sure if still Gilfie Sigerson's even getting paid. I'm guessing probably not. Um, but they could probably get... No, I, I believe I, I believe he is being paid. But, but they could also just so. terminate his contract and say, right, you have breached your contract by bringing the club into disrepute through your off-field activities, shall we say. So they could potentially get out of that one legally very quickly. Um, but there's a lot of players that, yeah, I can't. I, I Like I said, I can see it being a Nottingham Forest because it's so badly run and they can pump as much money into a club as possible. But if you don't pump the money in properly, then it doesn't make a blind bit of difference. You are just wasting money. I remember that year, I think it was Fulham. They came up, I think they spent... They signed about 10 players and spent about £110 million pounds or something. Oh, shit. Like um, and they went straight back down again, and it was a complete disaster. Who was the German lad that they signed who was supposed to be big? Um, was absolutely shocked. Yeah. It was like a cam or a... Oh, Holtby, no. No, he was another one that shut the bed, but yeah. Um, yeah, his was injuries, bless him. Is it Shell? Oh, Andre Scherler. Yeah. And that's the former Chelsea player. Prime example. Of if That's why I suppose you can give Norwich some credit is they've just gone up, taken the cash and gone back down again every couple of years because it keeps them afloat. At least it's financially sound investment. Well, investment. Financially well, sound business, shall we attempted. say. Attempted. Yes. Um, I believe, unless you have anything else, Ryan, that is it. I have, I have one more subject. To bring oh, up. we do have one more. One more. Well, two, but the other one's going to be really quick because there's no shithousery or plonk or plumpstead. Plonk or plumpstead? Plonk or plumpstead? There are plonkers in plumpstead, I can guarantee Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You're staring at one right now. <laughs> <laughs> but did you see the Manchester City Atletico Madrid game? I didn't. I was watching Everton versus Bayern Munich. Uh, what? Bayern Munich. Everton Bayern Burnley. Munich, they wish 
Did you No, Tuesday I was watching Charlton. Did you see the uproar afterwards? No, because I was watching Charlton right. and I was uproaring about them instead. <laughs> As we know, Diego Simeone has a certain style of football that borders on the dark arts and he likes to borders. Yeah, and likes to be defensive and heavily structured. Right? But against Manchester City in the Champions League, I'm reading you the stats, right? Of the well, game. Atletico Madrid had 29% possession in 90 minutes, zero shots, zero shots on target, zero corners and committed 13 fouls. In that time, (laughs) they also kicked um, Jack Grealish in the face with the football and they were pinching players and pulling players' hair. And people have said, pundits alike, have said that what Atletico Madrid did was perfectly acceptable. It's a different style of football. I would argue that is complete and utter horseshit because just judging on the stats, they didn't play football at all. They've done literally nothing in the game. Literally nothing. They had Joao Felix and Anton Griezmann basically playing as wingbacks in front of two fullbacks. It has football. It's not football, is it? No, no, but it's um, listen, he's not the first time, won't be the last that he'll have this style. I think this is the first time because this is like Suarez played severe. Um, I can read you their lineup. Hold on, all black in goal, Joao Felix, Marcos Lorente, Coke, Griezmann, Ronaldo, Philippe, Condogbia, Renan Lodi, Savic versus Lasco. DePaul, Carrera, Mateus Kuna, and Lemar. Now, I know for a fact that Velasco, if that's how you pronounce it, is a Croatian international. Uh, Philippe, Ronaldo, uh, are fullbacks. Brazilians. They're fullbacks. So you've got mm. three fullbacks in a team. Ronaldo's centre back or play centre back for them. And then there's a bunch of midfielders and not a single striker. How can this possibly be conceived in any form as football? People said this was acceptable. I'm sorry for me, that is not acceptable. You've not learned yet, though. Possibly be <laughs> like, football. I don't know if you... like. I'm sure you are aware. Pundits talk shit. <laughs> Suarez was on the bench. Uh, Lamar was on the bench DePaul was on the bench I mean if you're not Rodrigo DePaul that is an ageing squad by the way it is but if that is how you're going to conduct yourself then what's (laughs) the point of even playing the match that's not football it's anti-football I mean you thought Charlton were bad and they weren't getting many chances on goal they literally had no chances on goal. They didn't take a single shot. How can that be classed as football? I, I don't have an argument for you. I mean, who the big question is, who was the pundits? Everybody. Every, every, everybody's got a different view on this. I've heard from Simon Jordan, Trevor Sinclair, Darren Bent. Um, There's a lot of wombles there, isn't there? Uh, Rio Ferdinand, Paul Scholes, Alan Shearer, Ian Wright. And most of them are like, oh, it's just dark arts. They're just trying to get a result. 
How are you trying to get a result if you haven't even had a single shot on target? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a, I mean, yeah, I'm going to completely agree with you. I don't know what else you could say. I think yeah, the way you win this game, you know, you've got to try, his plan was to go there and park the bus effectively. That's exactly what but, he's done. But, I mean, it's fouled and it's got to fall on his head because there's no, you don't set up, a, you, I don't think you can set, you should set up a team even when you are going to be battered and you know you're going to be battered, you shouldn't set up a team like that. Especially a team that Crystal Palace have done a job on twice. You should... Oh, hello. You should 100% be ready to step up and put a team good enough, because they are good enough, to do that job. And somehow, whatever reason he decided, we're going to go and just kick them and try and piss them off. And then hopefully get an easier game in Madrid. Where now, Man City are going to turn up to Madrid, and they're going to do the same. Man City have won this leg now, and then to the next round they go. I just, people slag off Jose Mourinho for being out of touch and being too defensive, and they did the same with Rafa Benitez. This is just a whole other level, though. Not even having a single shot on target. Not even having a single I, shot at all. How can you call that football? I watched Charlton Weekly, so having no shots is standard. <laughs> it was bad enough when I went to see Charlton versus Wimbledon. I wouldn't want to go and see that. And I mean, I saw Darren Bent making the argument that you win at all costs. Surely there's got to be a line between winning at all costs and just like literally not playing football. Because if imagine if they go over to Spain next week or whenever it is, next week. and then all of a sudden. Atletico spank them 3 1 or something and go through, then Diego is going to be justified in what he did, which is not play football. Not good. But I mean, if it works for him, fair play. I mean, if he's been a shit house for years, yeah, I, I personally don't agree with it. However, it didn't work out his way, did it? Was it 1 0 in the end? Yeah, they lost in the end. So I mean, it didn't even work. But he'll try it again. It won't be the last time. Probably isn't the first either. It, it just baffles me that anyone would even set up that way because it is just anti-football. It's not even football. <laughs> anti-football. You you need to come watch more Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, now you're getting free tickets, Mr. Charlton. Um, well, I'm not getting free tickets. I'd like to. Aren't you? No, I don't, I don't want to see the game. You, they you hand out tickets. tickets to... Uh, all you have to do, I think, just walk around the club and they'll give you a ticket. I think they're quite desperate to fill the stadium. <laughs> well, Ask your doctor's surgery, they'll have loads. Yeah, I'm really depressed. I want to end my life. Can you please give me a Charlton ticket so I can get the final push over the edge? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think we'll end there because I think we both agree that it's just not cricket, is it? Um, no one wants cricket either at the minute. I'm a cricket fan. So we'll end with uh, FM Scout Report. I do... While everybody's been away, I've still collected a few. Hopefully, we will get back to a, a routine for our listeners now. Um, just a quick FYI, actually, on contacting us. Our Facebook page, we've had to take down. There's so many technical glitches with it. We can't actually share content with you. So we've I've spoken to Facebook, and they're like, yeah, 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 well, and they've done nothing. So 
that has closed down, but you'll still be able to get in touch with us through Twitter. And, um, and um, Twitter's at Football Funders, and of course we have footballfunderspod at gmail.com. A few people have reached out for different things, so reach out to us there. Excellent. So on to FM Manager. I'm I'm guessing you haven't got a scout report for us, Dan. I haven't played FM probably since the last time we did a um, podcast. Sounds about I picked right. an Nigerian goalkeeper up front. <laughs> right. So I give to you a solely right winger because that's all he can do. Um, but he's a very good one, uh, especially an inverted winger. But I play him as an out and out winger. He's very very good. His name is Ricardo Orsolini. And you can sign him for about 12 million quid. So he's another good bargain from uh, Bologna in Italy. There's a surprise. I'm in Italy and in Portugal shopping again, as I said earlier. Uh, very good, uh, very determined winger. I've banged on about determination on this podcast for these players. But his is 17, so it's as close as it gets. Uh, aggression also very high at 15. So he's not completely bonkers. Um, there's a slight risk he might get sent off. But overall, he's pretty good. Acceleration and pace and stamina are all 15. So he's quick and runs like a train. Um, his dribbling is also 15 and so is his technique. There's a lot of uh, 14s and 13s in the technical side of things. Um, the mental side of things is a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, some things I'd, I'd like to be higher, but I've only just signed him. So can work with him. But aggression is 15, anticipation is 14, bravery is 13. Determination 17, flares 14, off the balls of 14 as well. So it's very high. And again, his physical stats are very, very high as well. Like I said, 15 acceleration, 14 agility, 13 balance, 14 natural fitness, 15 pace, 15 stamina, and 13 strength. He likes to get forwards. He likes to have a shot from distance. Boy, can he hit them. I will tell you that. Um, he's. I got him capped for Italy. He's got two caps, two goals for Italy for me. And uh, he's played five games, two goals and three assists. For 12 million quid, if you need a winger, this, this fella will do you a proper good job and you will easily get a work permit as well. So there's nothing to worry about with all the new EU rules that they've added onto the game. I'm going to piss everyone off, so I play him on. If you, if you play with attacking wing-backs, he'll do a job for you. I know that because I've done it with him. <laughs> um. I've spoken about my Roma save many a times on this podcast. This man was someone that I signed because I intended to play with wingers and all that's bright. And uh, he moved to, I moved into right wing back on the basis that my right wing back was no longer fit and I didn't have anyone else. And two years later, he was still playing right wing back because well, I don't know if you've noticed, if you're a really good side, you don't have to do any defending. Yes, I have noticed. So this. he just goes forward. <laughs> I was going to say, he actually won uh, Player of the Year for me in my first season with Newcastle. Uh, well, I actually won the league and I did it without Roberto Piccoli, of all people. I felt a bit felt a bit bad because my right-backing rotation was him and Basuma at Brighton. <laughs> oh, my God. Neither of them were right-back. But they were both fucking phenomenal. So if you ever... Basuma's stats, he's good at everything. He's not great at one thing. He's just good at everything. So if you just play him centre-back, he's fine. Play midfield, fine. Play right-back, fine. <laughs> just don't ask him to score. He can't do that. But, yeah, so my, I felt I felt like I cheated the game a little bit because I was playing with a right-winger and a centre-mid as my two right-back options. I must admit, I am having trouble motivating myself to play FM at the moment because it has become so freaking easy. 
as soon as you write, find the right tactical formula, I mean, I literally, in my first season, I took Newcastle to the Premier League title and Callum Wilson was the top goal scorer with 26 goals. And you can't even get 26 games out of Callum Wilson in real life. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I had Ahmed Diallo on loan. I didn't sign many players. I had uh, Ahmed Diallo on loan from Manchester Ahmed Diallo, another one I tried to draw wing back. Who I've talked about before. Uh, I signed... Oh, what's it? I can't pronounce his first name, but his surname's Minamino from Liverpool. Takumi! Yeah, that's him. I signed him and he did all right for me. I signed him in the January. I got uh, Gedson Fernandez, who I always sign because the man just, it just runs like a train. And, and I got in. Here's another bargain buy for you, actually. I haven't got the, the... Have I got it? Let me just double check, see if I can bring it up. I'm not sure if I see it. But I actually went over to Germany and I was looking for a, a stopgap left back. And uh, it's someone Max I completely... Someone I completely forgotten about, and his name is Ricardo Rodriguez. He is a Swiss he's international. Ancient. Yes, he's about twenty-eight, and he's a Swiss. Off, is he twenty-eight? Yeah. Is he and, really? Yeah. And he cost, me, he cost me four and a half million quid, and he he's is as hard me. as nails. He is an absolute beast. He doesn't look amazing in his stats, but everything is. Like really solid and round. Fucking stunned. It was like, like he's been oh, playing since about two thousand two. Yeah, I re I remembered him from like his AC Milan days and his I think it was Wolfsburg yeah, exactly. as well. And I was like, I really need a decent left back because I can't remember who it was, but I had one left back that was shit. A Newcastle, um, all of them. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I actually like Jamal, Jamal Lewis. Lewis. Jamal Lewis turns into a decent player, to be fair. Emil Kraft. He was oh, a right it. back. Sold him. Paul Dummett sold him as well. And there was another left back up there at the time as well. I can't remember who it was. Um, Emil Kraft and... Javi Mankio. Yeah, those are the right backs. <clears throat> I can't remember who the left backs were. It was Jamal Lewis and one other, but I got shot of him really quick. And yeah, so I was desperately rooting around for, for just like a stopgap left back for a year or two to tie me over. And I saw, and I saw Ricardo Rodriguez. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Four and a half million quid. And he was the best left back in the Premier League that year. So if you if you are desperate for an experienced uh, international left back, go, go get Ricardo Rodriguez. No, he's terrible. Have you seen his coaching stats? He's no. like at Chelsea and for England, and he's like coaching stats of three, four, Wait, where five, is he now? three, nine. He's at Everton with uh, Frank Lampard in real life, which is probably half the problem. That's that's why then. <laughs> There you go. Well, I think that will do it for episode whatever one this is. I think Thank it's you very 36, much, but um, I'm not too sure. Not but it's, a clue. it's nice to be back and we will try and be a bit more consistent now that everybody's lives have settled down a little bit. And if, if Pete does feel like joining us again in the future. Well, he's, then currently, he's, he's currently, he's hurt himself. Bless him. It gets, it, at his age, it happens. Yes, um, bless him. Captain Birdseye, bless him. He's been caught out on the Captain, trawlers. Captain Birdseye now only has one knee as well as his other issue. So <laughs> One knee and one bollock. He walks lopsided. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, I haven't spoke to him, I'm hoping it's one of either side, like left one and then the right yeah, knee. left ball and right knee. Uh, 
<laughs> but me and Dan will. Try I don't know. Keep... I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But me and Dan will try and bring you a bit more consistent uh, content in the future. Thank yeah, you very much. But for behind everyone. behind the scenes, we always record on a Thursday, and my Thursday schedule has literally today been sorted. So I, I know what's going to be going on on a Thursday. So we can get back to being a bit more consistent. Sorry for the for the yes. delay. Apologies, but life unfortunately has gotten in the way. Dan started a new job. I've had stuff going on. Pete has, has been busy as well. So One me day. and Dan, yeah. Catching um, fish, sell to you lot in some Morrisons. But Captain Birdseye might pop, come back at some point. But yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed, you'll get a, a show and a, a more organised show as well next week because this one's very much off the cuff. But yes. um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Indeed. And we will see you very, very soon. Take care. Good night.